Happy Monday. You're listening to Detroit Today on WDET 101.9 FM, WDET.org on your browser where you can also listen live and join us. I'm Sandra Swoboda, having the pleasure and honor of sitting in today for Stephen, who got some well-deserved time off. Uh, I'm sure he's not relaxing, but we are holding the fort down around here and uh, tackling some both local and international issues here on the show. Uh, For any of those of you who are like me and have been sitting on your couch eating pizza watching NBC coverage of the Olympics, there's been so much going on in Rio. We're seeing some of the greatest athletes ever in some of the marquee sports in the Olympic Games, but we're also reading headlines about some of the dangers in Rio. Here with an update about who's deserving of their legacy titles, what the atmosphere is like after a high-profile attack on some athletes, and who to watch in the games in the second week is John Neo, sports columnist for the Detroit News. Neo in Rio, thanks for being with us. (laughs) Thanks, Sandra. How are you? (laughs) I am all right. What is on your agenda for today, second week of the games? That's a good good question. That's what I have to figure out every morning when I... When I get up, and I haven't quite figured that out yet today. But um, no, it was uh, it was actually kind of a, a long weekend and a late day uh, last night with Usain Bolt and the hundred and Justin Gatlin and the first real, real big night at the track, a world record to start things off, and then uh, the showman himself. Well, cementing his legacy, he, he says he's a legend already. So now he wants to get mortal, and he took another step in that direction last night. Obviously. Yes. What was it like to be there? We got a lot of fluff on NBC uh, about him and <laughs> what he means to the country of Jamaica. But what was it like there in the stadium? It's you know what it's always elected. It's it's like a heavyweight boxing match. I've been there now for this is my fourth Summer Olympics, and I guess the third with with Usain Bolt in in the spotlight for the hundred, which you know the world's fastest man. Ever. But it is like a sort of a heavyweight preening, you know, pre match. You know, you know, trash talk, et cetera. There wasn't a whole lot of that last night, but Bolt is, is always a showman, and, and obviously there's a little bit of a, a rivalry there, although Justin Gatlin from the United States doesn't want any part of it at this point because he cannot beat Usain Bolt. And uh, and he was booed by the crowd, so that sort of set the stage even a little further. I mean, Justin Gatlin, for all of the talk last week about, you know, the Americans sort of deriding the rest of the world and particularly Russia about doping and uh, taking it, getting on their high horse. There's Justin Gatlin, who's been twice banned for, for doping violations there at the start line for the hundred meter dash. And the crowds sort of let him know that they didn't really think he belonged there. And, uh, and then Bolt went and did what he does, which is just dominant and stuff. You never, you just never thought you'd see. I sat there in the stadium in Beijing in 2008 and I thought that was maybe the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. And then certainly never would have guessed that night that eight years later, two Olympics later, we'd still be seeing similar feats from this guy. But he is there, and he's almost 30 years old, and he's still the best in the world, the best maybe ever. So Ancient, ancient at the age of 30. <laughs> well, and Gatlin's 34, and that's, I mean, even leaders in the Elderly. sport saying in the last, yeah, even people in the... Uh, Sport have been saying it would be bad for the sport if Justin Gatlin were to win the 100-meter title. Um, Bolt has never failed a drug test. Um, there are some people, many people, who would question just how good the anti-doping efforts are in his native country of Jamaica. But um, Gatlin has been caught and busted and is a, you know, quote-unquote drug cheat, and there he is. Um, so that sets the stage, you know, for another week of, and we actually had it in the morning. I was at the marathon for our local marathoner, Desiree Linden, 
um, who ran a, a ran one of her races and was part of a great U.S. showing in the women's marathon yesterday morning. Yeah, let's talk um, a little bit about her. She's one of the direct connections to Detroit and Metro Detroit. Talk about her training yeah, I mean, and and her race. She's been here, yeah, she's been here ten years now. She moved. She's a California kid who who moved here after college at Arizona State to train with the Hanson brothers, who own Hanson's Running Shops, and way back in 1999 started their own you know sort of group training program with post collegiate runners, um, and have built it into you know one of the nation's best and. Desiree, is, as he is, as she goes by, is, is you know sort of their star now. This is their third Olympics, but this is her second. Four years ago, she was at the start line, knowing she wasn't going to fare well and probably wasn't going to finish. And sure enough, she didn't. She had an injury that they couldn't figure out leading up to the London Olympics, and it turned out it was a stress fracture in her hip, which sounds painful and certainly was. And so she had to step off the course. So she never really considered herself in her own mind an Olympian because she hadn't finished the Olympics. Um, and so these last four years were sort of a, a journey to get back. And there she was at the start line and it was a hot day. It was, it was a rough day to run a marathon, but she and the uh, two other Americans all finished top 10, which is the first time that's ever happened for the United States women. And, and now she can call herself an Olympian. That was what she finally admitted with a smile afterwards. She would have liked to have medaled, and, and on a lot of days, that the race she ran would have won a medal. But um, she's not done yet. But she was, I think, very satisfied that she was able to sort of complete that journey there. Yeah. But the, again, the winner there is the Kenyan, and Kenya's Kenya's athletics program has been sort of besieged by accusations and questions and problems regarding doping and um and she is someone who has been banned and then won an appeal and returned and was at the start line but some of those leaders i mean actually Charlene flanagan one of the Amer- other americans who finished sixth right in front of desi made the point and it's true these days with track and field you finish fourth or fifth a few years you might end up being second or third because <laughs> you know retroactive testing and retesting and and doping violations don't necessarily have a a shelf life these days in that sport and that's going to be sort of an, an overlaying theme all week here at the track for for these olympics yeah especially as we move into track and field this week um missing some of the teams though missing some of the athletes yeah, i well, should Russia, say yeah russia's entire delegation except for one athlete who trains and lives in the United States um, is, is, has been banned for their sort of state-sponsored doping program that came to light here in the last year or two. Um, that one athlete actually has been banned and then reinstated, and now as of five minutes ago, is still supposed to <laughs> compete at this Olympics, so we'll see. Um, so, yeah, no, that's – and that, you know, and that plays into – the medal table, the United States is going to run away with the medal count here at the Olympics, which, um, you know, is sort of a, a jingoistic thing about these Olympics, but it's also tied to funding for a lot of these athletic federations, not just in the United States. So when they win medals, they receive more money. And for those suffering athletes, the trickle-down economics of it is at least there's there's a benefit there. So... There's a lot of U.S. athletes here who are sort of seeing an opportunity, I think, to make more medals where maybe they might not have otherwise. 
We are talking with John Neo here on Detroit Today. He's a sports columnist at the Detroit News. He's down in Rio covering the Olympics. And, John, I feel like uh, things you said in the last minute of talking there could be entire one-hour shows. <laughs> but I want to yeah, come back is, to... That is the problem with the Olympics. <laughs> right? That's why it takes two weeks plus. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to, though, talking about Desi, the marathon runner, and her local training program with Hanson's Running Shop and her training sometimes at uh, Stony Creek. We have another athlete uh, competing in sailing who many of us have seen out yeah. on the Detroit River, Bora Galari. Yeah, if you're down by the river, it's pretty hard to miss him because he's out there just about every day. Um, <laughs> when he's in town, when he's yeah. in town. <laughs> yeah, when he's in town, right. This is true. He's been in Rio quite a, bit, quite a bit the last few months. And uh, Yeah, no, Bora Galari, who uh, he's Turkish-born but grew up in Ann Arbor. His parents, uh, his father's a, been a professor at the University of Michigan for closing in on 40 years here. Um, he grew up in Ann Arbor, went to Michigan, started sailing. His parents were sailors, um, so he grew up sort of on the water. But, um, you know, started sailing with the club team at, at Michigan and then went off sort of, you know, a, a pneumatic life a little bit, chasing his, his love of sailing around the world. Became a world champion in the moth-class boat. Um, he's sort of a need for feel-the-need-for-speed kind of guy on the water. and And then... He tried for the Olympics in the past, but then they they added a new class, another fast boat that's actually a mixed boat, so it's one man, one woman crew. Um, and they added that for these Olympics. And he and Louisa Chafee, who actually whose father is former presidential candidate, former governor of Rhode Island, former senator, are are, are paired up. And they just started sailing in January uh, together and qualified for the Olympics in this class and. Had a rough start here because partly due to the weather, because the weather was really rough on our rowers, which we had a big contingent from Michigan, and the sailors. But they rallied, and yesterday, three more good races qualified for the medal race, which will be tomorrow. So people can tune in, and tomorrow it's one race, ten boats, and, uh, you know, top three win medals in sailing. It's the mixed NACRA 17 class of sailing. And, but Bohr is a guy who, yeah, like you said, he's he's a Detroiter. He loves the city, lives right down by Bayview there, and everybody there I know will be watching and cheering on, uh, tomorrow afternoon. Well, and Bohr is going into the medal round now. Uh, they take the t- There was a fleet of 20 that were competing in the preliminaries, and they take 10 for the medal round. And going into the very last race, I think there were 12 to qualify, yeah. and he was not in medal position. He had some equipment breakdowns earlier in the week. He actually, as we say, ate a 21st place, which is even worse than if he had finished <laughs> yeah, he had last. Couple, he had he to count one of those, day, right? right? Yeah. He, and he had to count one because yeah. there's a throwout, but battled back to yeah. a third place in the last race to make the medal round. Yeah. No, it was a clutch performance, and yeah, he had a harness break, and so this had a nightmarish day there. The, I guess it was the second day of sailing for that class, and and, but then it strung together. He strung together seven consecutive top ten finishes. And like you said, it's a twenty boat field, so it's already a thin, you know, smaller regatta than you would normally have. But it's also the world's best. And and uh, of those twenty, the top ten after twelve races uh, qualify for the medal race, which is you know one shot deal. Now it's anybody's. You know, whoever has the best day is going to win a medal, and he's he's in the mix. And certainly the way they. We're sailing here this last this weekend. Um, you'd have to think they're a contender for a medal. 
Yeah, I'm, hopefully the math can work out. I'm not sure on that. Um, but, John, I want to come back. We talked about, you talked about um, how rowing and sailing, I mean, those are really some of the few sports where the weather really can determine uh, the athlete's performance, equipment certainly. But we got to bring it up, the quality of the water there. Um, in Rio, the pollution, are we seeing any uh, detrimental effects on the athletes, any illness? No, we have, well. That we know of. The, yeah, the, the odd thing is we were worried about the water outside the water inside has been the problem <laughs> it's a big oh, problem that, that green it's, stuff in the, the pool the green diving pool that has you know become sort of the one of the symbols of the rio olympics here yeah no and there's the blame game going back and forth as to who's responsible there was a contractor that dumped too much bleach in and then counteracted the you know the, there was the, the classic quote was from the ioc representative who, who stood up there and said well chemistry is not an exact science <laughs> and that some of us felt that way up. in high but, school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly didn't we all so that was uh yeah that has become because you know it was clearly not clean water and, and so they had to drain the pool here the last few days and and, and try again but no i will you know today and tomorrow is the open water swim the 10 kilometer marathon swimming event outdoors open water um you know, and so that one is one where people were wondering about the water quality and how that might affect actual comp- competition. But the sailing venue, um, you know what, everybody, it was beautiful, and, and there weren't any real complaints about the water there. Um, the sailing is what it is. Guanabara Bay is not um, clean by any stretch. I haven't heard reports that it has really necessarily affected competition, but it, but it's just another hassle for those. For those. I mean, Bora, for instance, they tell him not to drink the water. Well, he needs three hands. He's got a rope, a wet, bay-soaked rope in his mouth most of a race, so he doesn't really have a choice, and he sort of just said, you know, what? it is what it is, go deal with it. But he's been down there for, for months sailing and hasn't had any ill effects. So, um, they, you know, they deal with it. They're Olympians. They deal with a lot of things. But certainly the water quality here is going to be an issue long after we're gone and long after these Olympians are gone. While we are dealing with some of maybe the darker sides of these games, um, ta- what's the atmosphere like after the attack on Ryan Lochte and other swimmers from, was that Saturday night? Yeah, I think I think everyone sort of, everyone came in with their eyes wide open about, you know, the dangers. I mean, crime is a problem in Rio, more so than even, you know, you expect some in a city of six million, but here it's certainly a much bigger problem. Um, but then to have Ryan Lochte, one of the stars of the U.S. swimming team, and three others held up at gunpoint, and that's happened a few different cases. Times the Australian Federation had some problems like that early in the in the Olympics. Um, in fact, the Australian team has now banned their coaches and athletes from from heading out on Copacabana Beach um, in that area after dark, which. It's easier said than done with swimmers now being done with competition. I think they're going to do what they want to do. But I think I think athletes are all aware of the dangers, um, but at a certain point they also want to enjoy themselves while they're here. And, you know, it, it's I think people still feel like they can take a chance or two. But um, certainly you don't want to act and look like a tourist out in the open because that makes you a target. And we've had issues with media buses you know, being shot at um, one bus, although there's some debate as to whether it was rocks 
or, or gunfire. <laughs> right. People were on the bus. Certainly, the first people were on the bus certainly begged to differ with the IOC on that one. Um, and now I, I've noticed even the last few days, we there's more of a police present presence around the media buses as they're going from from point A to point B. But honestly, it's eighty five thousand troops on the streets, and they're visible presence everywhere you go anywhere near the Olympic venues. I think it's when you get away from the Olympic venues that I think people need to be more cautious. And I think, I know the USOC has told their athletes that point blank, that they need to, you know, to be vigilant at all times when they're outside the Olympic Park. You're listening to Detroit Today on WDET 101.9 FM. I'm Sandra Swoboda hosting this morning, and we're on the phone with John Neo, Neo in Rio at the Olympic Games. Um, John, we're, let's, before we look forward to this week a little bit, let's look back. I, we got to talk about the American swimmers and the women gymnasts. First of all, the swimmers. Yeah. I mean, what is there left to say about Michael Phelps? Yeah, no, and it was actually, I mean, we saw four years ago, We, you know, he came back and it was sort of a half-hearted as some of his friends will say, it was, he felt like he was doing something he had to do, um, not something he wanted to do. This time around, he obviously wanted to do this. He wanted to end his career on a different note and certainly trained <laughs> at a different level than he had going into London. His life is in a much better place now. He's, he's engaged. He's got a, a baby boy now. He's three months old. He's been to rehab and dealt with some of his addiction and family issues that he's he's been dealing with. So he's in a much better place. And then to come and hear and do what he did again, um, you know, we talked about Usain Bolt. The fact that his career now has stretched from the 2000 Olympics to the 2016 Olympics, it's just amazing. In that sport, for him to be 31, again, sounds young, but in that sport, doing what he's doing, it's amazing. to do that and to go out on that note, I mean, that cements his legacy as the greatest Olympian of all time. And But more than that, I think it gave him some closure, uh, you know, to his career. And now he can move on to the next phase of his life, but which I think he's better prepared to do. It, the swimming itself, I mean, the Americans, I think people were talking about coming in, maybe might have a little more trouble than they had in London and, and, and Beijing, but certainly that went out the window on the first few nights and they continued all the way through. They were, you know, tied their record for medals in the Olympics. And, and, you know, the swimming has become the cool sport at the Olympics in a lot of ways. And Michael Phelps is a big reason for that, but the U.S. dominance has also been a big part of that. And it's sort of raised the level of the the entire world in some respects. All right, you're getting my hackles up a little bit because I'm a huge women's gymnastics fan. So to me, that is the sport of the Olympics. And the American women are making it real easy to be fans right now. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, year after year, Olympics after Olympics now. I mean, that's another area where the U.S. has become dominant and really owned. Um, own the competition and, and, you know, each quadrennium there's a new star, but this one she's, Simone Biles is, you know, something we've never really seen before. Yeah, the, athleticism her... and it, it's, it's, you watch her in person, I mean, I, I know it looks amazing on TV, but then when you actually get to see see it in person, it's it's just remarkable the athleticism that's involved in the stuff she's doing, and, and no one can even come close to doing the tricks she does. Um, and yet, she's also got the composure. I mean, 
it would have been very easy with all the pressure she had coming in, you know, could she win five gold medals? She's no one can beat her. Well, no one has beaten her and she hasn't looked really nervous at all to me. No. Um, she's got, she's got three now with maybe one or two more, probably one or two more, uh, yet to come in these event finals. But now she's led the American team and, and, you know, the American team now is at a point where the rest of the world is just sort of, in a lot of ways, competing for second. Right. It's like uh, when I was growing up uh, following gymnastics, and it was like always the Cold War. It was the the, the Russians and yeah, the Soviet no, teams right. dominating, the Romanians coming on, and now I guess it's the Americans' right. turn. And they really, the team of five are all, they all have chances for medals. Well, Gabby, Gabby had a bad bars finals yesterday, Gabby Douglas the 2012 all-around champion. But we've still got the beam finals today. By the time people hear this on the evening broadcast, that'll be decided with two Americans in, Lori Hernandez, uh, the first Latina-born gymnast on the U.S. team. And uh, Allie Raisman, the captain from both 2012 and 2016, has a chance on the floor tomorrow. And Simone is in both of those as well. Uh, Are you going to lay down a prediction for us, John? Yeah, I think you got a couple more gold medals coming. I think is what I think, (laughs) and and and, and, yeah, no, and and you know, and even you start to look forward. Well, Simone Biles hasn't said what she's going to do beyond this. She's 19 now, but Lori Hernandez is only, you know, she's still a she's still a kid. Um, Certainly, and Allie Raisman's coming back with along with Gabby Douglas this year, coming back and and doing two Olympics. I think has maybe opened the door for others to look at that and say, you know, it is possible. It's not. You know, I mean, people thought Allie Raisman was, was kind of crazy for trying it after you know the success they had in 2012, but certainly paid off for her. And I think, you know, I think there will be others that sort of follow that lead now or try to follow that lead now. And you look at Lori Hernandez; she could easily be the, one of the stars of, of the next Olympics because she's got all the charisma, all the talent, and uh, you know. She's just got it, and and so I don't think we're going to be searching too far for another star beyond Simone Biles whenever she decides to to retire. Oh, that makes me so happy, and I will be spending so much time in the next two days watching online. Um, how do you? I mean, we all we have our computers, and we have uh, several TV stations to watch. How John being down there? How do you stay on top of all these sports, the stories, the athletes, to decide what to what to bring to your readers there in the Detroit News? Do you? run around all day or yeah. is there a media center that uh, you get spoon fed all of this information? <laughs> no. Yeah. I wish there were a case. No, I mean, the internet becomes your friend. Twitter becomes your friend to you find out something's happening, you know, whether it's for, you know, I'm not at sailing and for is winning races and suddenly you can catch up, but no, it's, it's, it's a lot of pre-planning and then you just hope that, you know, you hope you're prepared when something crazy happens that you weren't planning for. And that's, so it's, months of planning in advance and figuring out where you're going to have to be certain days, but then in between you got to make some tough calls. And that's one of the, you know, fun parts of the Olympics for, for sports writers all these years is, you know, you happen to stumble in and be at the right place at the right time, whether it's a, a major upset and, you know, in, a, in an individual sport or, a te- you know, I was at U.S.-Australia basketball game just sort of in between swimming and another event and, and nearly saw the U.S. men's basketball team lose a game for the first time in forever. So those are the kind of things you might stumble into. But it, it, the logistics of it do make it hard to be in more than one place to, in a day or more than one place at, at one time for sure. And and that's been the harder part. Now this is my sixth Olympics now, and it was a lot easier, you know, 2000 before 2002, before 9-11, frankly, when security became sort of ramped up to an, a, an extreme 
All right. Well, we are going to end it there. John Neo, thanks for making it look easy. You make it as easy as Simone Biles makes us look flying over the vault, twisting and no, flipping. I wouldn't go that far. Thank you for saying that. Thanks. John, I wouldn't go that far. John Neal from the Detroit News. He's in Rio covering the Olympic Games. Thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Stay with us. We'll be back with a story a little closer to home.